This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing up in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission in the places that God has put us. Right, well, welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Jared Pickney, and I am here with Brad Watson. And for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about mission fatigue. What causes mission fatigue, and what can you do when you begin to experience it personally, or uh, whenever people in your missional community are experiencing it? And so, um, I'm excited to hop into this. But Brad, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing really great. Getting ready for spring break with my family. We're going to go down to los angeles hang out with uh our new church down there yeah hopefully we get on the the beach a little bit and yeah be tourists before we you know live there and become angelinos (laughs) i think that's what they're called hey can you confirm i've heard reports that you're now making everyone refer to you as la brad watson yeah that's i mean i think it's just a worthwhile nickname you know (laughs) <laughs> I like it, man. I think it's gonna stick. No, I'm not. Okay, I'm not. I'm making people call me Bradley Hollywood Watson. Oh, okay, yeah, um, that that sounds much better than L.A. Brad Watson. Yeah. It's so funny. I don't know if I've told you this before, but every time I tell people in Portland that I'm moving to Los Angeles, their response like is equal to if I had told them I'm moving to Mars <laughs> and I'm never gonna come back. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Like. My wife and I, we've realized that we could be telling people like, hey, we're moving to like Haiti to live in a tent for the rest of our lives. They'd be like, that makes sense. You know, it's nice there. But when we say we're moving to Los Angeles, there's like horror on their face. Like Christians, non-Christians, everyone's just like shocked because it's really just the antithesis of Portland, at least in people's minds of like, oh, people care about image there. They're, you know, it's so... (laughs) big there's there's no trees people drive cars you know all these things that we do in portland it's like you're a poser now exactly it's like you just sold out and i can't believe you know it's like i don't even know you but anyway that's how i'm doing (laughs) that's that's fantastic man how are you man how is paragold paragold is a lot like portland the last few weeks and the fact that it was really cloudy and really rainy and honestly everybody here was depressed and so um I, I don't know. Is Portland even that way? I think of all the Northwest that way. I just said that, but I have no idea. Yeah, it rains. And yeah, these are the, the depressing seasons. Okay, all right. Yeah. But today, man, yeah, it's sunny. Um, I'm actually coaching my daughter's five-year-old soccer team that starts tonight, our very first practice. And so like, man, I am, I'm going to be the Nick Saban of five-year-old girl soccer. Nice. So I'm really excited about that. We had a bunch of neighbors, close friends who have kids our five-year-old's age, so five-year-old soccer, and they asked me to help out, and I was like, sure, and then I showed up to the first game, and I was the coach, Oh, and I didn't realize that. Yeah. But I couldn't believe how into it I got, and we were like 5-0 <laughs> and oh to begin the season, and we're like beating these kids that are older than us. And, That's incredible. Um, and then I totally just like all the games started getting scheduled on Sunday mornings, and I just flaked out. So wow. that's that's a lesson in how to do mission well. 
is coach well in the beginning and then flake out in the end. Yeah, that's incredible, man. Well, I might be trying to hit you up on some tips of uh, uh, how to coach five-year-old girls soccer. But for now, how about this segue? Yeah. How about tips on how to handle mission fatigue? That's a good segue. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I have a couple ideas, right, uh, of how to deal with this. I mean, the real reality is if you – seek to live on mission like i think everyone at some point is going to struggle with mission fatigue and and i have some thoughts on what causes this and and maybe how to deal with it but i really want to hear from you and so could you maybe just speak into this a little bit like what do you think causes mission fatigue and then uh, maybe if we get a chance like how how do we deal with it yeah i mean first having led a church in and missional communities for the last eight years uh, for the very beginning part of that whole stretch, I would say there was just tons of zeal and some tons of passion for not just being in community, but but living on mission. And by that meaning, like loving neighbors, building relationships, even how we're just joking about, you know, coaching soccer, all of those connection points, sort of this outward facing uh, posture of Christians to the world of how can we you know, engage those folks. There was tons of zeal. And then it was probably two or three years ago that, you know, began to see lots of people experience, you know, what they would term as just burnout or just pure exhaustion with, with the whole thing, you know? And uh, so I began to like, just wonder like, man, what's really happening? Because the exhaustion with the mission was actually coinciding with like financial stress, marital strife, like all sorts of other familial things. And and I think on the surface, there's a way of saying, hey, this is just a bunch of attack, which which totally could be true in, in some circumstances. But then, you know, for me, I, I was so, you know, I'm an apostle evangelist. So it's just like, I can't even imagine people being tired from this. And then it hit me and I was exhausted and I was discouraged. Um, and whenever that sort of burnout hit my own soul, I, I began to kind of like pursue, you know, a few, a few reasons on, man, why do we get to the point where we can't even consider the mission anymore? And it almost feels like a switch happens, you know, um, one day you're walking along as a community striving for it the next you're like i can't even get out of bed to do that um figuratively speaking uh so i think there's yeah there's a few uh reasons at least for me that come to mind um the first is looking for the wrong fruit um and that that sort of builds into this fatigue we desire to live fruitful lives you know even as we're recording this i think it's like the 17th anniversary of john piper's uh, sermon at uh, Passion One Day. Mm. I don't know if you remember this, but it was the the Don't Waste Your Life sermon, mm. yeah. uh, which it like I listened to it this morning and I still got chills of like, oh my gosh, yes, let's not waste our lives. Yeah. And like, let's live lives that matter, you know? Uh, and so, you know, for me, there was just this constant striving for a fruitful life. But I think what I thought the fruit should be was these communities multiply. We like dunk people in water and baptism. We have new churches formed. And I think that the exhaustion grew there because, um, you know, I would look and say, well, these things aren't happening. There's no fruit happening. I'm wasting my life. I'm wasting all these years of my life. And what I began to realize, though, is that like that's not actually the fruit that God promises us. 
Um, we're looking for church plants and new missional communities and new leaders as the fruit, but really the fruit of a life lived close to God is uh, the stuff that the Spirit does. Um, you know, uh, the the Spirit uh, gives us, you know, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and that's the fruit. And actually, when I looked back and at my community, uh, when I was tired, I realized, wow, there's lots of evidence of that fruit. Um, and and then I also looked back and realized, man, every time we were baptizing someone or multiplying our communities, I was taking credit for it of myself as that being fruit. And I didn't marvel at it as being a miracle of the spirit, that the spirit so worked in someone's life that they experienced a new life. I figured, man, we worked the, the system well. Uh, so that's one thing. I think when we look for the wrong fruit, it leads to this sort of exhaustion. Um, another big one, I think, is we live in just this urgency of of the ego. Um, as leaders, we're striving for success. We're striving to to have good stories to tell, and we expect them to happen like today and right now. Um, and the and it's one of the oldest tricks that the enemy uses, I think, to destroy mission is to get us to think that we're making a name for ourselves, uh, that the, the mission makes us look good. Uh, the mission is what provides for us a gold star that we get to put next to our name. And somehow God gets to look at us and say, wow, there are all these other people I, I died and rose again for, but you, you accomplished so much. Um, that's at least my own sinister view of it. Or maybe it's, we accomplish all these things and our peers, you know, the other, you know, missional community leaders look to us and say, wow, they're the ones that really have it going on. And so, so we live into this ego and the burden of, um, pursuing that, uh, actually crushes us, um, instead of building life. Um, we, we try to defy even just the natural laws of time, of, money of energy that we really don't have and we just press into having a packed schedule um where we're pursuing all of this stuff for our own glory and that's kind of kind of exhausting um a, a few others just kind of quickly uh you know that's living in the urgency of the ego we also live in the urgency of the ideal uh which is just a sort of different uh, urgency. I know my wife especially struggles with this because she's the type of person that she's kind of like a reformer, a let's get this totally right and set, Let, like let's do the right life. And so we're always looking at our communities, especially leaders saying, man, these people aren't getting it. It's not quite working. We need to keep shifting and changing, you know, like there's this ideal picture and, and it's not coming about, you know, and, and basically what comes from that is a, just a new legalism uh, or a modelism, uh, or our friends in, in Tacoma and Soma Tacoma have uh, called it, uh, what do they call Model idolatry or something like that. Yeah. Uh, methodology. And so one of the problems that we have is that we just keep turning over and over again to more experts. We look to blogs podcasts, uh, books, you know, Twitter feeds, videos, all trying to like make sure that we're doing the right thing. And ultimately, like there's no strength and endurance in that. Um, a, a model 
doesn't give you the endurance of loving someone faithfully, mm. you know, having the forbearance, the patience, uh, the, the enduring love for, for another person, like a model doesn't give that to you. That only comes from the spirit. Um, and then, and then just lastly, and this one is also, you know, the, yeah, probably the last big thing for me in my own soul searching was I was burned out because all my relationships weren't genuine. So, uh, missional community is super relational and yet there's a way to engage it and where it's just an agenda item where you're trying to get, take people from one place to the next and you're not engaging in a, any true level of friendship because you don't expect anything from someone else. You're not offering your true self to them. Mm. You're just plowing through and you're thinking, what can I do for God through these people or how can I drive this thing forward through this conversation instead of how can I love this person in this conversation? How can I bring the gospel to bear? Or what is, what is Christ teaching me through this person? Instead, it's just always thinking, okay, how can I use this moment, this person uh, to expand, uh, to expand the mission, which at this point it's kind of become, uh, your own kingdom that has some like Jesus sauce spread on it. Uh, and it's not, it's not of the spirit at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are, I mean, at least for me, those are the four big ones. Uh, what would, what would you say? How would you add to that? No, that's, that's fantastic, man. I think, uh, yeah, I, I can definitely see that that's all four of those things you just mentioned um, have certainly, I think, created some mission fatigue in, in the past. I think, Maybe the just a few things that I would add to that is one, um, I would say a lack of patience can definitely create mission fatigue. And so we are a an Amazon Prime generation, right? And so like, I mean, I had to yeah. order something. Um, we ordered a new mattress a couple of weeks ago that wasn't off Amazon Prime. And it took like two days for them to even ship it. And I was just like, <laughs> I cannot believe this. Like it takes two days for you to even ship it. And now like another, you're telling me another five days to get like that's seven days like who has seven days to wait for a mattress you know like that's my that's my thought process because i mean we're just built for speed <laughs> in our culture right yeah but I, I love you know you talking about measuring the wrong kind of fruit like the fruit we're looking for is the fruit of the spirit right what you're talking about is to see a life that's being transformed from the inside out to look more like christ and you can't can't microwave that right um you can't grow that kind of fruit overnight right. and so i think uh I need to hear that. And and the people that I'm leading in my missional community and our churches need to hear that because if not, mm-hmm. you're right. Like we're going to begin to look and, and begin to be like, Hey, what's going on here? We don't see any fruit that's just popped up overnight. So clearly we're doing something wrong. I mean, we've been on this mission for now four months and we haven't baptized one person. So what's up, you know? And I think that mm-hmm. patience is, is key. We just don't have a lot of it. And uh, I think as a result, that certainly leads to fatigue. Right. And then I would say uh, a couple of things. One of them is, for me personally, um, I think in the past, like I've had a tendency to to just if, if there's an obstacle that came up in the mission to think like it's my job, like God wants me to just like knock that door down, you know, and mm-hmm. um, to just to just push on through in the mission. But then, like, you know, I read yeah. the book of Acts and I see like, you know, for example, Paul in Acts 16, where he tries to go to the region of Galatia and it says he was forbidden by the spirit and he attempted to go to Bithynia but the spirit of Jesus did not allow him. And so, um, you know, Paul didn't let that discourage him, but he looked at these obstacles as opportunities and he actually ended up going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He ended up preaching the gospel of Macedonia. 
and experiencing fruit there. And I think that's incredibly important. You know, I'm in a mission right now, an, an international mission that our missional community is focused on. We're trying to minister to refugees. And I just had this conversation with our missional community last night where we've not experienced the fruit that we thought we would experience and, and, and how we thought we would experience it. And what we're just trying to do as a missional community is learn how to be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and say, okay, like, let's just, let's just all confess. Like Jesus probably cares more about the mission than we do. And um, if we will just be sensitive to where his spirit's leading us, like we'll understand like how these closed doors um, are, are actually like him graciously leading us possibly somewhere else. Um, you know, possibly to be patient, right. And wait, but possibly leading us also somewhere else. Um, to minister to a group of people that he's called us to minister to. So I think that's important. Yeah. And then I would just say, lastly, like for me, um, I think mission can become an idol. Yeah. And so when that happens, like clearly it's just a matter of time before we're going to burn out. Um, you know, like we're just going to start doing stuff in our own strength that Jesus never even really called us to do. Um, and we're never going to be satisfied, right, with the results that we get because the idol's never going to give us what it promised to give us. Right. And so um, I think for me, there's been a real temptation in the past, like in where I'm beginning to experience burnout is when I'm beginning to believe the lie that what I'm doing for Christ matters more than who I'm becoming by spending time with Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a few things I would, I would say. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the question for me, Brad, is, um, if you, I'd love to hear maybe some input from you. So like with, with these, you know, things that you've mentioned um, with, you know, whatever it may be, maybe someone's listening out there and they're like, like, yeah, I can relate with one of these seven things, you know, like looking for wrong fruit or living with an urgency of ego or urgency of the ideal or these agenda filled relationships, like at least what, whatever. The question for me, I think others listen is what do you do about it? You know, when you begin to experience mission fatigue, I mean, what what's the next step? Yeah. And, and I hopefully, you know, this conversation's even a little convicting, you know, and I know it is for me, like every time I share, uh, you know, this sort of learning that I've had about missional fatigue, uh, it's convicting to me personally. Mm-hmm. And and I think that 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 conviction is the beginning of repentance um, mm-hmm. because you know, another way to capture all these things that you and I have shared is to say, like, we're Pharisees, you know, um, Pharisees were people that had tons of zeal mm. for God, actually. And they wanted God to bring his kingdom today. Uh, they wanted to make sure that their kingdom wasn't taken away from them anymore. And so they established all these rules with tons of zeal uh, and passion to make sure people lived the certain way, to make sure they lived a certain way so that God would see them and know them and they'd have value. And and what's weird is that the laws that they were trying to follow, that the basis of them were like true instruction from God, yet they built them into, you know, like you said, like an idol factory. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, you know, like we are two things. We're uh, in our sin, we're amazing you know, idol factories were also amazing legislators, you know, like we can pass new laws all the time. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully all this is convicting, you know, to the point that it leads us to repentance, you know, and and the, the, what do we do about it? I think it, it begins with repentance, you know, that, um, man, we've been worshiping false gods, whether it's ourselves, Mm -hmm. our own ego, the ideal, um, 
whether we've been telling God, like you were just saying, that we're a better missionary than the Holy Spirit, mm. or we're a better savior than Jesus is because we want to dictate time and place and movement. You know, we've made mission, the mission of God, our God, uh, which sounds trippy, I know, but it's, it is still a deviation from we live our lives to glorify and worship and exist in him. And so I think that we need to turn from those things and turn towards who God actually is and his character. And, and, you know, within, um, within this missional community movement, you know, Tim Chester, uh, in his book, you can change wrote, uh, four truths or within the, the Selma family, we call them the four G's very affectionately. But these four truths about God actually uh, relate to this, I think, at least deeply. And, and maybe one of these is how you're supposed to repent, you know, even as you listen is, uh, you know, God is great. Uh, so you don't have to be in control of the mission. So, so if God is sovereign and in control and great and glorious and wonderful, you do not have to be in control of the mission. As the leader of your community, you're not in charge of it. Uh, God is control of his mission. He is in control of your city, your neighborhood. Um, you are a servant to him as the glorious king. And so repentance looks like actually worshiping God for being great. Um, also, maybe the truth that you need to believe is that God is good. Uh, so you don't have to look to the mission for personal satisfaction. Mm. Uh, the, the mission doesn't have to satisfy your soul. God is the one who can satisfy your soul. The, the only one. Um, the, the love that you're trying to pour out and the affection you're trying to receive from the mission will only actually come from God himself. And so uh, if, if we turn to believe that God is actually good, um, that actually frees us to engage a mission in which we're, we're communing and enjoying God we're seeing him in the faces and the stories of the people we're loving. And it almost becomes a sort of selfish uh, worship uh, expression mm -hmm. because we're doing mission because we know that we'll get to see the face of God and we love to see the face of God instead of it being, you know, I just want to fulfill my own satisfaction through the mission. Um, then the, the third G is, is God is glorious. Uh, so you don't have to look for significance in the mission. Mm -hmm. So if God is the most weighty, uh, glorious one, then then there's nowhere else to look to for significance. Mm. Um, he's the only one that we look to, to see significance, to, to taste it, to, to see uh, power and might and majesty. It belongs to him. And therefore, we don't have to seek that sort of significance out of the mission, which which definitely frees us to engage these relationships and engage as a community, the mission of God with this freedom of knowing I'm not proving myself through this. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Then the last one is God is gracious. So you don't have to prove yourself in the mission. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to prove to your community that you're really good. You don't have to prove to your elders that you're really good. You don't have to prove to your spouse or any of those things. Uh, God is so gracious and abounding in grace for you uh, that you don't have to earn any of this stuff um, and that you don't have to use mission as a way of earning status because God looks on you and calls you a son, an heir mm. that isn't contingent on 
how hard you're working in the fields, you know? And I think often, you know, as missionary types, we'll talk about when Jesus says, you know, the fields are ripe for the harvest, the workers are few. And we, we miss the point that Jesus is standing in a field saying, come to the field and come labor with me. You know, we, we, a lot of us say, oh, yeah, I want to be one of those few proud, you know, Navy SEAL guys that goes and, and, and goes into the difficult places. And, God, and it's actually this beautiful invitation of saying, like, I've done all of this work of calling out the gospel is being preached and there's fruit to be had. Mm. come with me into the harvest fields. Mm. Um, because if we get anything <laughs> of it, from the gospel, it's that we're united with him, yeah. you know? And and if that's not enough for us, then nothing will satisfy right. us. <laughs> Sorry, I got on a preaching tangent no, man. there, man. No, that's good. That's good. I think, yeah, that's the beginning of, of what do we do with mission. Whenever we're exhausted, it's a sign that there's likely something out of place, you know? Um, and I, and I think too, that there is a calling back to, to rest within mission as well. Um, this isn't, you know, everything we're saying is not like, Hey, it's just a heart issue, change your heart. And you can still, you know, be on mission 24 hours a day. You know, it's like, no, that's still unhealthy. Like you should be sleeping eight hours a day, you know? And like, if you're physically exhausted, and emotionally exhausted, you will not be effective in mission. Uh, even if, and, and you won't even be able to have these sort of conversations with God about repentance and faith because there just will be nothing there to give. Um, and so I think there is really practical, at least for my wife and I, we've developed regular rhythms of rest where it's like, hey, once a day, we're going to, we're going to be still and quiet, whether it's at our dinner table or it's for us, it's often in the morning before our children wake up and we just sort of rest in these truths about who God is, or, um, we go on runs, my wife and I both or walks around our neighborhoods praying and just reflecting that like God has done stuff, uh, in our world before we even woke up. Um, we try to take weekly time where, we spend a day focusing on who God is. We, we follow Eugene Peterson's plan of Sabbath, which is, you know, you pray and you play and, and we do that. And we spend times with friends and neighbors on those days, but it's just every interaction we have with them is just for the sheer pleasure of it. So if we hang out with our friends and our neighbors, or if I coach kids soccer, it's not this cool strategy to reach people. It's like, I genuinely like coaching my kids soccer team. You just want to be a human being, right? Right. Yeah. And, and those days are important, you know, like where you take a day intentionally saying, I'm not trying to advance the kingdom of God today, which sounds crazy. I know. <laughs> but it, it, when we say that and we live in that discipline, what we realize is like, actually God advances his kingdom. I don't mm. these other six days. Yeah. Um, you know, we try to get out of town once a month, uh, even if it's just, you know, for one overnight sort of thing, at least get out of our neighborhood for a day each month. Uh, annually, we try to take a vacation where we kind of reflect on, man, what's been hard, what's been good. Um, you know, who is God? How has he been good and great and glorious and gracious? Um, what are we afraid of as we enter this new year? 
don't know. That, that's a whole bunch of like practical things, but that's good. Yeah. The heart of it is like, man, there's repentance, but like repent, like the work of repentance would probably look like for many of us engaging rhythms of rest, not just um, a prayer of repentance, but, a, but kind of a life lived out where we, where we engage practices where we're saying, man, I'm going to take care of my body and soul so I can, you know, engage mission like sabbath is a day to rest um before we go and and engage the world again you know too often what i see is people take sabbaticals or sabbaths because they're completely burned out and so they have to rest from the mission instead of sabbatical or sabbath being uh, a rest for engaging mission you know um and i think that that if we if we want to do this for the long haul, we're going to have to, you know, take our thoughts about mission captive, but also engage rest, you know. Absolutely, man. That's super good. Well, I, I'd be interested in knowing as we kind of close out this podcast, are there any resources um, that you'd point people to on on this topic? Yeah, I think that there's on the, the Saturate website, there's a great video that Jeff has done on what it means to be spirit dependent. Um as, as we engage community, uh, we can add that link on the, the saturate or on this, the podcast description. But yeah, I think as far as, uh, books and, and journals and, or things like that, Eugene Peterson, uh, is, you know, always really good. And almost any book that he writes kind of gets to this, uh, this aspect of it. I definitely love the book, uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, mm-hmm. where he kind of highlights the, the heart posture towards doing something great. Uh, for the long haul, uh, which I think is, yeah, I think it's just just fantastic and, and worthwhile. Yeah. How about you? That's good, man. Um, I would, there was a book you imparted to me uh, a couple years ago in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. That, uh, it's just been fantastic for me. Just anything. Um, I mean, I would recommend any leader to go after that. And so it just shits on a lot of the, what you're talking about. I mean, it just, everything begins and ends and, and just with our relationship with Jesus and uh, mm. knowing we're loved by him and loving him. And so yeah, that's the only thing that I would, I would probably add to that list. So. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Yeah. I, you know, this, it's not a book or anything, but I would also add, um, Sandra McCracken, she's a singer, songwriter, worship leader. Uh, but her music for me, uh, they're always simple. They almost, her, her music sounds like it's really old. Like, oh, this is like a 200 year old song, mm-hmm. but it's like, she wrote it last week. Uh, but she has a couple albums, but one that's just called the Psalms and it goes through the Psalms. At least for me, it's, um, it's always reorienting, uh, for my heart, my soul, especially when it engages like, cause I'm kind of a mission hard driver person, uh, just back to the truths about who God is. And, um, it's just a beautiful, yeah, that album, at least for me is something that I listen to regularly, um, as a remembering of, of these truths that we've talked about. So good stuff, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Great. <laughs> yeah. I guess we might as well get wrapped up. So to our listeners, thanks for listening. Brad, thank you for your time and your wisdom. Yeah. As always, man, I look forward to, to connecting again next time. Yeah, totally. Thanks, Jared. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort. 
and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by creating resources, providing training, doing coaching, and consulting with churches, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com. Thank you.